This is the Radio Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as the Radio Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with the message that Jesus is alive today. Now, today's lesson is titled, Rejected for Your Faith, and it comes from 1 Samuel 29, 1-11. But before we start our lesson today, Word Talking could use your support. Now, playing music on the radio may sound simple, but actually it's quite costly due to publishing rights and royalties. And before that first song is ever played, there's utility bills and tower rental fees and maintenance and so forth. We need people just like you to help with the tax-deductible gifts. So won't you do that today? You can do that by calling us at 601-483-8648, and there they can take your information safely and securely over the phone. Or mail us your gift to Word Talk, Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi 39304. Now, your gift to Word Talk, Inc. is IRS approved as a 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. Now, your contribution is never used for salaries or managerial purposes, but 100% of it goes to the expense providing the good news of Jesus Christ to our listening area. Hebrews 13.16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. If you'd like to go back and listen to a previous lesson, you can do that by going to our podcast website. That's Radio Bible Class with no spaces between radiobibleclass.podbean.com or go wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it's on the podcast from iTunes, whether it's on Google, whether it's on Amazon, whether it's on Spotify, wherever you listen and consume your podcast, we are there too. Just search for WMER Radio Bible Class with no spaces between Radio Bible Class. But we pick back up today in chapter 29, which was really picking back up when we put a pause on David. This is a story about David, and we're going to look at David again, and he's been living a compromised life. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, we studied the beginning of this story at chapter 27, all the way through 1 Samuel 28, verses 1 and 2. And there we saw David living with the Philistines. But now the Philistines are going to attack Israel. And King Achish, the Philistine king, tells David that he and his men must accompany him into battle. So David is living with the enemy now, and now the enemy is getting ready to attack God's people, and David is told by the king to come with him and go to battle against God's people. And that puts David in a terrible predicament. What will he do? He gives Achish this very ambiguous response. If you turn back over to 1 Samuel 28, verse 2, he says, then you will see for yourself what your servant can do. So once again, this could go either way. He's been very ambiguous. He doesn't really commit, but he leads King Achish to believe that David will battle against the Israelites. Now, well, is that what David will really do? And King Achish truly interprets it, that he's going to fight with him by his side. That David is his bodyguard and he'll be his bodyguard for life because the lies that he's been telling him back in chapter 27 makes him believe that he has turned on his people. How did David get to this point? Well, if you remember back in our lesson, first thing we talked about was guarding your heart. And back in chapter 27, we said David didn't guard his heart. He forgot about the promises, how God said he would be the king, how he's anointed king. He forgot about how God had taken care of him from time and time again. He was tired. It had been about 10 years that he has been running from King Saul. So he goes and he becomes part of the enemy. He crosses enemy lines. He asks the king for a place to live. The king allows him and he gets the king to believe that he's now on his side and he's battling for him. 
See, David was living a compromised life. He was living in his own strength. See, he put his trust in himself. And we talked about we can't put our trust in ourselves. We can't forget God's promises. And we have to guard our heart. And then when discomfort comes, when we're living that compromised life, the Holy Spirit will come and give us discomfort. And what David didn't do, he didn't listen to the discomfort. And we need to listen to that discomfort. And we got to be careful that we don't justify our sin. That's what David did. David justified his sin and he attempted to fool others. And that's what a lot of Christians are walking around doing. They act, they put on their suit on Sunday morning, and they look like a Christian on Sunday. But Monday through Saturday, you can't tell any difference between them and people from the world. They don't live a different life. They're not separated. And God will ultimately make that person make a decision, just like he did David. And that's where we were at at the beginning of chapter 28 before we went in to seeing King Saul go and visiting a spiritist. You remember in chapter 28, verse 3, that Saul becomes worried. Samuel's dead and God won't respond to him, so he goes and he consults a medium. Samuel speaks to Saul through a medium, which is totally against what God's word says. We even looked at how Saul knew this was wrong because he had created an order that if you did this, you would die. But anyhow, Samuel speaks to Saul and he tells him why God's not speaking to him. And he tells him his fate and tells him that he's going to die. And spoiler alert, we'll see that over the next couple of weeks that Saul truly dies. But today we pick back up where they're getting ready to go to battle. What happened in chapter 27 and the first two verses of chapter 28 have now come off pause and we're going to pick right back up. Now turn with me to 1 Samuel 29. We'll start in verse 1. I'll be reading out of the ESV. Now the Philistines had gathered all their forces at Aphak, and the Israelites were encamped by the springs that is in Jezreel. And the lords of the Philistines were passing by the hundreds and by thousands, and David and his men were passing on in the rear with Achish. The commanders of the Philistines said, What are these Hebrews doing with us? And Achish said to the commander of the Philistines, Is this not David, the servant of Saul, king of Israel, who has been with me now for days and years? And since he has deserted to me, I have found no fault in him to this day. And we'll stop right there for now. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been rejected for your faith? It's hurtful when we are rejected for any reason. But in particular, it is hurtful when we're rejected for our faith in Jesus Christ. You're trying to follow God and do the right thing, and then someone rejects you for that. In these first three verses, we see that David was rejected because he was a Hebrew. The commanders of the Philistines come before King Achish and they ask, what are these Hebrews doing with us? As a Christian, you can expect to be rejected for your faith. There are going to be people that don't want you around, that don't want you there because they don't like who you are and what you stand for. And if they don't care, then you need to do a self-check. And we're going to dive into that as well today. But if you live out your faith the way you're supposed to, the way the Bible tells us we're supposed to, then you're going to bring conflict with the world. And for note takers, this is my first point. Living out your faith brings conflict. As I said in my opening, there are people that believe a lot of stuff and people don't really care what they believe. People care what you live out. And when you begin to live out your faith, when you begin to live out what you believe, when you begin to live out what the Bible says, that's when the conflict comes. As long as you live in the world, you'll be pressured to conform to this world. 
And we see that with David and his predicament with the Philistines. The Philistines are marching to war against Israel, and David and his men are marching right along with them. Imagine the pressure David is feeling at this time, surrounded by thousands of Philistines, and going up to fight against God's people, the people that he is supposed to be the king of. Remember, he was anointed king for God's people. He is going to be the king after King Saul, yet right now he's marching with the enemy to go battle God's people. He's surrounded by thousands of Philistines. That's what it says. In verse 2, it says that the Philistines were passing by hundreds and by thousands. That means that they lined up companies by the hundreds, and then those hundreds of companies made up thousands of companies. And David and his men are passing in the rear. That's what it says in verse 2. But the commanders of the Philistine noticed David and his men, his 600 men that are with him, and they go up to King Achish and they go, what are these Hebrew men doing with us? They're not like us. They're not supposed to be with us. And King Achish takes up for David because David has fooled him. He says, is this not David, the servant of Saul, the king of Israel, who has been with me now for days and years? Remember, for a year and a half, David has been with King Achish. And we didn't see a single sacrifice. We don't hear about any praise. We don't see any offerings. We don't hear any psalms that are written during this time. David is not focused on his walk with the Lord. David is doing everything in his own strength. He's hiding from King Saul because he's tired. King Achish takes up for him. He said, I've found no fault in him to this day. Every day he's come to me and told me about how he's battled against his own. Now, David was lying to him. But King Achish says to this day, and he takes up for him. David had King Achish fooled, and he did it by conforming to the world of the Philistines. And that goes directly against what Romans tells us. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word conform is the very word that David is living out right now. And what we can learn from this is that the world is going to try to squeeze us. It's going to try to make us conform. There's going to be pressure for you to follow in the pattern that the world has. Let me ask you, do you feel that pressure to conform to the world? We should all feel that. If we don't, then we need to check ourselves. In 2 Corinthians 13.5, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, Examine yourselves as whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you know yourself? Do you know that Jesus is in you is what Paul is telling them to do? Do you take time and reflect on your life? Are you examining who you are and what you're doing? Sometimes we become blind to our walk that's of the world. We get so caught up in the ritual of our religion that we forget about our walk with Christ. See, there are people that struggle with this. They can't face the reality of who they really are, what they really do. They have broken relationships, or maybe they're haughty. Maybe they have the wrong attitude. Maybe they live inconsistent. Maybe they're a hypocrite, just like David has been living. David's been living inconsistent. He's been a hypocrite in what he's saying and what he's doing. Maybe they're a person that brings destruction. They enjoy destruction. They enjoy blowing things up and creating strife. And then maybe they're a Christian or one that calls them a Christian that walks in doubt on what the Bible says and goes against what the Bible says. They don't believe it anymore. And what Paul is telling you is to stop and reflect and check yourself. 
As a Christian, you should be spending time before God asking, Lord, what is it in me that you don't like that I can change? What do you want to change about me? That's a tough question, but it's what we should be doing. Lord, what needs to be purged out? Is it an attitude? Is it a wrong disposition? Is it some action that I'm doing? Is it some thoughts that I have? Is it the wrong desire or intentions? Whatever it is, Lord, I want to cut it out. I want to spend time with you and you show me what it is. Lord, I'm asking you right now, what do you need me to fix? What do you want to fix in me? And if you're not asking that, you need to stop and do that. This is biblical in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. But let a man examine himself and let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. We're supposed to do this before every communion. It's an opportunity to reflect and find those areas that we need to get right before we take communion. Are you reflecting on who you are and how you walk? Are you being pressured by the world and you're conforming to it? I think I beat that drum enough, so we'll move on. As long as you live against the world, though, you can be assured pressure is going to come from the world and it's going to be for you to conform to it. But here's the thing. If you don't conform to it, you can expect persecution. And we see that right here in these first three verses with David and the other Philistine rulers. When the other Philistine rulers discover that David and his men are in the army, they're not happy with it at all. And what did they do? They go to King Achish and they ask, why are these men here? And like I said, King Achish defends David. But look at their response back to King Achish. Verse 4, But the commanders of the Philistines were angry with him. And the commanders of the Philistines said to him, Send that man back, that he may return to the place to which you have assigned him. He shall not go down with us into battle, lest, lest in the battle he becomes an adversity to us. For how could this fellow reconcile himself to his Lord? Would it not be with the heads of the men here? Is not this David of whom they seen one another in the dances? Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands? See, they even know the song. They know the song and what's been said about David. And they're reminding King Achish that David is the very man that killed Goliath. And what better way to get back on Saul's good side than while we're in battle that they just cut us down from behind. They're in the rear. We're in the middle of the battle. We're sandwiched in and he could take our head and hand them to Saul. As a Christian, we can expect to be rejected and excluded because of our faith. Worldwide, Christians face extreme persecution simply because they believe in Jesus Christ. But here in America, it's not that way. As a matter of fact, most of the time, Christians in the U.S. aren't persecuted unless they truly live out what the Bible says. As a matter of fact, when you say what the Bible says, that there's only one way of salvation, the world doesn't care if you believe in Jesus, but they want to have any way they can to get to God, not through Jesus. John 14, 6 tells us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's crystal clear in the Bible, but the world doesn't want to believe that. And if you live that out and you hold true to that, then the world's going to say that's hate speech. Another area has to do with marriage. If you live out what the Bible says, if you teach what the Bible says, that marriage is one man and one woman coming together for life, people are going to get mad at you. And when you say that sexual relationships is reserved for marriage between a man and a woman alone, then any sexual relationship outside of marriage between a man and a woman is wrong and it's against the Bible, they're going to get really mad at you. 
This is just two areas of the Bible, but when you speak what the Bible says about just these two areas, you're going to get called bigoted. You're going to be called narrow-minded. You're going to be called hateful. You're going to say that you have hateful speech. The world is now passing laws that go directly against what the Bible says. And there are going to be losses. You're going to suffer time in court, possibly. What I can tell you is that the Bible doesn't change. The laws can say whatever they want, but the Bible has not changed. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the first point I wanted you to see for the note takers, living out your faith brings conflict. And now the second thing I want you to see that out of this section of scripture is that we live in peace when possible. When I tell you to live in peace when possible, I'm not asking you not to make a stand. But what I am telling you is try not to bring unnecessary persecution on you if you can. Don't bring unnecessary trouble upon yourself. But you do need to make the stand. And when you do, you will experience persecution. And when you try to live in peace when possible, my second point, like I said, there are really two things you need to do. One is maintain your testimony and have a clear conscience. Let's dive into that first one. You should have a clear testimony before the world. Once again, David is an example for us, but David didn't really keep a clear testimony, right? He's been fooling the Philistines this whole time by making them think that he's part of the world. David should never have been able to stay there. David should have been kicked out immediately. David should have made a stand for Israel, but that's not what he's done. He wanted to live in the Philistines, so he morphed himself and he lived a compromised life. As a matter of fact, if you look at King Achish and how he stood up for David, Achish says David has been reliable. He says he would be pleased to have David serve him, be his bodyguard, serve with him in the army. He says from the day that David has come, he's found no fault in him. David lived a compromised life. He didn't live the life that he should have, but he lived a compromised life. And so therefore, his clear testimony wasn't there. He had morphed himself into the Philistines. Now, the Philistines knew who he really was, or they knew his past, and that's why they didn't want him with them. That's why they said that he's got to go. There's an old saying that the question you should be asking yourself, if you were put on trial for being a Christian, is there enough evidence to convict you? When you live a clear testimony, then you're not compromising with the world. You're not blending into the world. You're not living a compromised life. You're living a life that is exactly what you want. You live out the talk that you say. And in this part of scripture, those Philistine rulers, they didn't know him. They didn't believe him. They said that he could have a front against what King Achish had seen, that he couldn't be trusted. Because remember the old saying, Saul's killed his thousand, David's killed his ten thousand. That's talking about the Philistines. And so as a Christian, we are called to live a good life and maintain a clear testimony to an unbelieving world. In 1 Peter 2.12, it tells us, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. What Peter is saying right here is that prove them wrong by the way you walk out your talk. Live a life that backs up the talk that you say. It doesn't matter what they say. You're living out the life that should prove them wrong. So that's the first way you try to live in peace with the world that's not friendly to Christians. And then the second point I told you is you need to keep a clear conscience. And what I mean by this, you do this with your interaction with non-believers. Now David's playing double agent here, but look what he says in verse 6 through 10. 
Then Achish called to David and said to him, As the Lord lives, you have been honest. And to me, it seems right that you should march out and end with me in the campaign. For I found nothing wrong in you for the day of your coming to me this day. Nevertheless, the Lord do not approve you. So go back now and go peacefully that you may not displease the lords of the Philistines. And David said to Achish, and this is what I want you to catch, live a clear conscience. But what have I done? What have you found in your servant from this day I entered into your service until now that I may not go and fight against the enemy of my lord the king? And Achish answered David and said, I know that you are blameless in my sight of the angel of God. Nevertheless, the commanders of the Philistines have said, He shall not go up with us to battle. Now therefore, rise early in the morning with the servants of your Lord who came with you, and start early in the morning and depart as soon as you have light. King Achish says, You've lived just like a Philistine. You've done everything that the Philistines would do. But the rulers don't want you around. So go peacefully, that you may not displease the lords of the Philistines. And then what did David do? David said, But what have I done? What have you found in your servant from the day that have entered into your service until now, that I may not go and fight against the enemy of the Lord, the king? David is asking him, what have I done to deserve to be kicked out? We need to have a clear conscience at all times. We should not be compromising ourselves. Now, David has compromised himself, but we should be living a non-compromised life, and we should have a clear conscience about how we live and what we do. And David's conscience should be clean because King Achish actually says, I can't find any fault in you, but go on back to Ziglag. And we're going to see that this is really a Lord thing. But as Christians, we should be where we live a life that there is no doubt that we would be convicted as a Christian if we went to trial. Again, in 1 Peter 3, it says that, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Keep a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against you have good behavior in Christ may not be ashamed of their slander. So what Peter's saying here is be ready when people ask, how can you live this way going through what you're going through? When you go through the persecution, when you go through the trials, when you're going through life, how can you respond differently from the way the world responds? And Peter says, be ready to give a testimony. Give an answer to everyone that asked that question. He says, keep your heart set apart for Christ as Lord. That means don't compromise to the world. And then be ready to give that answer. So we've looked at when we live our faith in the world, that it's going to bring conflict. But we should still try to live in peace as best we can. We do that by having a clear testimony and also having a clear conscience when we interact with others. And then the very last thing I want you to see, point number three, is that we need to trust in God's sovereignty. When you look at that word sovereignty, that means that God is in control of everything. When you are rejected because of the life that you live, understand that God will take whatever happens, that rejection or that hurt, whatever happens from those evil things that your co-workers may say about you. It's not pleasant when you hear it. It's not pleasant when you're told about it. But God is in control, and you can trust him to work out the situation. We see that right here with David. Look at verse 29, verse 11. So David and his men got up early in the morning to go back to the land of the Philistines, and the Philistines went up to Jezreel. 
The battle's about to go down. We're going to see that in chapter 31. But right here, God and his sovereignty provides a way for escape for David so that he doesn't have to be put in a time of compromise, so that he doesn't have to either turn on the Philistines and fight for the nation of Israel what he's supposed to do or fight against the very people that God has anointed him to be king over. He's living with the Philistines, and the Philistines were on their way to fight Israel. King Achish instead says, come with me. David and his men were marching along the thousands of Philistines, armed and ready to attack the people of God. It almost seems like an impossible situation for David not to be able to get out. He's about to have to do one or the other, and God provides a way of escape for him. He does it so that David doesn't have to fight his own people and that he wouldn't have to fight King Saul. This is important if David is truly going to become king. David will need to reconcile with the northern tribes of Israel along with Judah. And it's important that all of Israel know that David was completely innocent when it comes to Saul's death. By delivering David from this impossible situation, God is making sure that no one can accuse David of participating in the battle against Saul in order to kill him or take over the throne. Now, the Bible tells us when we're put in difficult situations, we can always trust God to provide a way of escape. We read that in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. I want you to hear that again. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way that you can stand up underneath it. When you're put in a difficult situation and when you're tempted to do wrong, when you're tempted and pressured by the world to conform to it, God is sovereign and he promises to provide you a way of escape. Now, it may be to run, but God provides a way. And the other way we see God's sovereignty is that God promises to work all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And we see that with David and the Philistines as well. David and his men were excluded from the battle. They were rejected for their faith, but God was working all this for the good. God was actually doing several good things here at once. He delivered David from this terrible predicament, being forced to fight against his own people. But it was also essential that David return to Ziglag, and we're going to see that next week. David doesn't know it yet, but while he's gone, the Amalekites have attacked the city and take captive the women and the children there. And when he learns about that, his men want to turn on him. If God had not intervened and sent David and his men back to Ziklag, they would have been too late to rescue their families. Once again, God was working things for the good. God is always good. God wants what's best for us, even when we don't really understand it. How often has the Lord secretly worked for you when he turned the heart of someone in the world against you Yet it was to the good and to your ultimate good. You didn't understand it at the time, but it ultimately put you in a position. It may have put you in a new job, a better job. It may have put you in a new part of life that you would not have chosen. But because God did what he did that didn't look so good, it turned out good. How many of us can raise our hand? I can. And just like the Philistines, God can use an enemy in your life to accomplish his good purpose in your life. I'm out of time, so let me close with this real quick. As a Christian, you can expect to be rejected for your faith. 
As long as you live in the world, you will be pressured to conform to this world. You can expect persecution if you don't conform. If you don't do what the world tells you to do, the cancel culture is going to try to cancel you out. It's not easy being rejected for your faith. It's not fun. It's hurtful when you are rejected. But it's part of following Christ. The world rejected Christ, and Christ told us that they would reject us too. So stand strong in your faith. Maintain a clear testimony and keep a clear conscience. Trust in God's sovereignty that He is in control because He is. He can take whatever hurt, whatever seems so bad, He can make it right. He can make it better. He can provide a way of escape and He can work all things for the good. Let us pray. Dearly Father, we come before you today, Lord. We thank you for this time together. Lord, we thank you for this lesson. These 11 verses, even though David is living in his own strength, even though David is living a compromised life, even though David is not doing the will of God, you still, we see at the very end, use this battle and these rulers to turn him to make all things work to the good. Lord, we understand that David did not like what happened to the people, his wives and his children. We understand that the men that followed him didn't like what happened, but you're going to use all that for the good. It's all going to turn when he turns back to you. And Lord, let us understand that. Lord, no matter what situation is, we need to turn to you because you are a good father. You're good all the time and all the time you're good, even when we don't understand that. Even when it doesn't make sense, you can make all things for the good. Lord, I pray right now for the one that's going through whatever they're going through, Lord, that you would help them see that very moment that this can be worked out for the good. Lord, maybe there's one that doesn't know you. Lord, I pray today would be the day that they'd ask you to be Lord of their life. Lord, we thank you for the many blessings you give this ministry. Lord, we ask all this in your name. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.